Welcome to Bad Boston Artists and Designers Podcast. I'm Calder. And I'm John. And today we have Sin Seri, an industrial designer from Mass Art. Welcome, Sin. Hello, thank you. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Happy to be here. So tell us uh, who you are. So I'm Sin. Um, and I'm an artist and designer based out of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, currently, right now, I'm working as like a teacher's aide in a daycare. So traditionally, my job wouldn't exist uh, currently, but with like the shift to online school and COVID-19, um, this like position formed itself. And so I serve as like a guide for uh, students doing distance learning in completing their coursework. So I aid with online navigation, keeping my students on course, and just to make sure they fulfill all their coursework and complete their assignments. Um, I do just kind of my own little artistic thing on the side. Um, and I've just been playing around with all this new free time that's opened up for this past year. So it's been um, a, a pretty decent time in a uh, kind of a shitty circumstance that's been going on in the world. Yeah, a lot of free time yeah. going around. Almost a little too much. It's been like a crazy <laughs> shift, yes. um, especially once I graduated last year um, in spring of 2020. It was kind of like, oh, I've been go, go, go constantly, like just since the beginning of my education pretty much and you know especially these last four years have been so intense uh, with my major and minor and I've worked so many crazy odd jobs like typically two at a time um, just trying to make ends meet and you know trying to keep myself like involved on campus and doing all the things I want to do get all the stuff I want to get done it's been insane so for all of that to just kind of stop and like slam on the brakes it's been a pretty crazy pretty crazy transition mm. um yeah now when you're saying when you graduate wise and everything before that obviously you're so used to being busy and that energy of just go 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 as soon as after graduation and with covid did that energy that you have just kind of like stay but with the you know situation of oh there's not as much going on or was it immediately like did it immediately like oh okay free time time to relax like how was that feeling right after graduating um I definitely took some time off but it just felt so unnatural almost yeah. like I read um somewhere just in like uh just to relate to that feeling that a lot of uh people in the military struggle um coming back um after serving because they're just used to the chaos and just like used to this very strict lifestyle and then to go back to day-to-day -day normalcy it just feels so wrong and that they want to go back and i feel really the same way about school like you know at the time when i was in it i was kind of suffering pretty intensely <laughs> um you know like doing crazy hours in the studio and then going to work my two jobs so like I was just had no sleep no real time to be a human um and once it all ended I was just really lost and really confused um so that transition was really difficult um and it's definitely something I've cultivated over time to figure out like how to navigate that in a healthy way because definitely at first I was like freedom and just doing whatever <laughs> um too much Netflix uh, a little too much drinking 
Um, <laughs> but I think after I kind of got that out, I was just able to simmer down and kind of figure out uh, some type of strategy and routine that worked for me. And that really helped um, once I started my teaching job. Because um, then I can have I have these hours dedicated to working with my students and then, you know, this X amount of time for doing my own projects or just like, I don't know, living my life, doing what I do, you know. Yeah, definitely feel that. Yeah, I was just going to say, but, you know, we all graduated at the same time and that, that sudden, you know, go, go, go to dead halt. Mm-hmm. You're stuck in molasses or whatever it is. Like, it was you know, pretty traumatic, to be honest. Right, like, it really Especially was. in the end of your senior year when you were full steam ahead and I know all that you know all the final reviews and those you know looking for a job all of that's like exactly right there there. no I feel gone. like I had so much of that fuel in me you know around February time and I was like I'm so ready I'm gonna make like my spreadsheet for all these jobs I'm gonna like grind on my portfolio like I was in this role and then you know COVID hit and like this crazy lifestyle change hit and I was like I just kind of lost all of that um, like momentum and I didn't really know what to do. Like it, it was such a strange, empty feeling and I was so confused on how to proceed and I feel like that's a similar um, feeling that we all shared. Um, now, shifting over a little bit, going back a little bit more towards the beginning of you, did you always know that you wanted to be an artist or designer or was there a point along the way that you kind of figured that out for yourself? Um, honestly, I feel like I always knew, um, it was really simple for me because, uh, you know, to be like frank about it, I really struggled in school, um, with traditional subjects like reading and writing and math. Like it felt like everyone around me was so like easily able to grasp like concepts in those specific subjects. And I feel like I was just always one step behind and I just didn't, like nothing really clicked for me except for being in art class. And that's just where it just felt so simple and it felt so right. And, um, you know, since I was a child, I like knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I, I think I was really, really privileged to be raised in a city like Providence um, because growing up there were so many um, resources for artists that were just like free and for like the Providence youth. So after school in high school, I used to go to this like nonprofit like arts organization that was just right across the street. And it was essentially this large studio. It's called New, Ur- New Urban Arts. And like you could just go there if you wanted to like hang out. Um, you could talk to like college advisors, you could do tutoring. And then they had like a whole array of different mediums to explore along with like tutors and those specific mediums. So there I got to work um, with Silkscreen and that was my first time doing screen printing. And I could just go to the studio space for free and like uh, learn under these like different tutors. Um, and I think that was just so cool to, you know, be able to experience. And I was really lucky for that. And that kind of opened my world into, um, the Providence, like artistic community. Um, and then from there, I went to a different organization that I would go to on Saturdays. It's called AS220. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's pretty famous in Providence, but they have like um, it's this like nonprofit like artistic space in Providence and they have they've expanded to have their own restaurant, they have a performing arts space. 
Um, in the summer, they have, like, their entire, uh, like, arts festival that they throw for, like, one weekend. Um, and there I got to go and use, like, state-of-the-art, like, um, like a state-of-the-art printmaking facility, which was so cool. And I feel like no one, you know, who gets to experience that, like, as a teenager. Um, so I went there and I, like, made shirts. And I just felt like everything, like, kind of snowballed from there. And I just kept, like... Um, meeting more people and creating more connections. And then um, from there, I met someone who introduced me to this program at RISD that was specifically for inner city youth to get experience um, working under like a, a professional artist. And so in high school, I was able to like go to this other studio space and actually take classes every Saturday. And we were working under a RISD professor uh, Clara Lou, who's not there anymore, but she, um, she's amazing. She left RISD for, uh, some bureaucratic issues, but that's tea for another day. Um, uh, but she was amazing. She was a professor in, uh, the foundation department. I know she taught illustration courses and printmaking courses at RISD. Um, so this is this well-versed, like extremely, um, like, capable artistic woman who is teaching us like um just these students for i believe she was getting paid but we were taking the class for free um so just the fact that i was able to experience that by just like opening myself up to this community um i think was really really amazing and i was really lucky um that not that it was necessarily like given to me like i had to go out and like find these places on my own but just the fact that they existed in my community and were so easily accessible um was something i was i was really lucky to be able to experience so yeah i feel like i always knew and then it just like all the my different life experiences just like made it feel like this was the right path and this was the right area to pursue wow it's quite a story <laughs> i feel like a, a lot of people we've interviewed they have that connection to um like a, a local art facility that helped them find their uh, their niche. I mean, along with school, yeah. Mm -hmm. We all kind of feel like we belonged in the art class. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So for moving on from then, uh, what did you, where did you go for college? What did you study? So I went to Massachusetts College of Art and Design with you lovely folks. Um, and there I studied industrial design as my major with a minor in sculpture. Um, yeah, I love mass art. Definitely. I had a great time there and I feel really lucky that I was able to, you know, spend my undergrad there. Um, I think it's a really special place. Not that it doesn't have faults. Um, like it does. It has many. Um, but I felt really attracted to mass art um, when I was looking at other colleges because um, it just felt like a community where I could relate to, especially in the fact that it's the only public art institution in the country like it's it's yes. literally the only one and I was really afraid of going into this like realm of you know like art school and higher education and it just has this really elitist feel to it um and I was really scared that I was gonna jump into this like kind of pretentious elitist community that I really didn't belong with um and I feel like because, you know, mass art is like just so financially reasonable um, <laughs> in the higher education realm, like I, well 
it um it was really nice to be with a, like a community of students who all came from like a similar economic background and i really think like i wouldn't be able to experience that sense of community if i went somewhere else so definitely very thankful for mass art love mass art will always um say good things about mass art <laughs> Yeah, once you learn that all colleges have their uh, have their major flaws, mm -hmm. you kind of puts it in perspective that you know our college wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, it's it's very in the easy. The people were right, right. It's amazing. It's very easy to like be in there and just like complain when things are annoying you. But now Absolutely. that I've like been away for a year and just looking back, I'm like, I really, I feel like I was really lucky and really privileged to. Um, be able to attend mass art and i miss it so much i miss our community <laughs> yeah. i miss our studio space like i miss oh, yeah. just spending time with all you people and like i don't know just like going up to people's studio and being like oh this is so interesting what is this about and then you just start talking and then you realize you haven't mm -hmm. completed any work for the past two hours because you've just <laughs> been like talking and chatting but i feel like those connections are so important because those are like the ones that you don't even like think about there's no way to like describe those connections that you're gonna create with like your peers and faculty and um different members of the school like that's something that i didn't even consider but just like that sense of community is so special and i really miss that absolutely and that's definitely yeah that's definitely part of the growing and learning process that i also didn't even take into factor when going into school it was just like going to school and thinking all right the formal education of art here mm -hmm. we go and then you go in and you know all these connections that you end up making and then by the end also very much miss a lot yeah so yeah i've missed mass art in the studio space a lot and thinking back to like the relationship we have with professors using first names and being so relaxed mm -hmm. and like, they felt like our peers and not really like our superiors right mm -hmm. it was nice no it was yeah it was so great now with that you went to mass art you went into industrial design uh now when when did you know that you wanted to pursue industrial design itself um i knew when i it was freshman year and um i originally thought i wanted to go into printmaking um because i had taken so many um like silkscreen like um courses back at home and that kind of thing um but then for drawing projects freshman year i took drawing for designers uh, with Frank, and that really uh, skewed me into uh, the realm of industrial design because we were like in the department and then surrounded by the other students and the studios and like you're working with an industrial design faculty member, and I was like, ooh, this sounds good. Like, ooh, I'm gonna <laughs> dip my toe into this. Um, say less. Um, but I really, I really. Um, I really was attracted, like, just from that little, um, like, uh, just, like, skimming the surface through that class, I was really attracted to the freedom in industrial design compared to, like, printmaking, um, and I really didn't want to feel confined to one specific major or one specific, or not major, but medium, essentially, and I feel like industrial design had the most freedom because we do you know, we do drawings and we um, create things and we make things tangibly. We're in the um, studio, we're in the lab, um, you know, and there's just like so much variety within the major. 
that uh, I didn't really like want to make a concrete decision about like going into one specific medium or area like I wanted that freedom and so after taking that class uh, or even during that class I was like yep I think this is the place for me nice. it just made sense yeah, industrial design is incredibly dynamic it's kind of good for I've thought about it a lot. It's, it's definitely good for people with ADD, yes and no. Because <laughs> um, you can't really get bored too easy because you can do sketching, model making, CAD modeling. Right. It's just so much stuff. It's like you were saying, it's so broad in what you're able to do with it. And like you were saying before, you like you wanted to do screen printing, but you also didn't want to be confined by that. Whereas with industrial design, if the project calls for it, you could do screen printing within mm -hmm. a project if you're able to for that project so it's like you could do that and plus more as well right and like you can there's so much of your own style that you can like put Absolutely. into your work in i don't know in just so many different ways because like you can have a specific style in like the way you model or like in your graphic style when presenting and stuff like that or i don't know there's just so much room for exploration that i just wanted to be able to like um, play with as much as I could you know if I'm paying for this education like why don't I you know explore all possible venues you know yeah get get my money's worth so with all that said about industrial design it is historically majority three to one male female industry so do you want to talk about that at all were there any uh, challenges with that kind of environment um there definitely were challenges I feel like I faced, but it, it's not like anything new compared to other industries. Like typically when you look at like any other industry, they're like typically all male dominated. And so that wasn't like anything new or anything that um, greatly surprised me. Um, but what I will say specifically at MassArt, which I was pretty disappointed in, um, was really just like the lack of uh, women and diversity within the major, honestly. Um, like, it, it just felt really hard um, as like a brown person and a woman to like come into a space that was so homogenous. And that wasn't only reflected within the student body, but in the faculty as well. Like we really only had two um, female faculty during the time I was there. I feel like the only one I really worked under was Judith, Judith Anderson, and everyone else was just like a white guy, you know? <laughs> uh, to put it plainly, like, that's just the reality of it. And so it was, it, it was hard, um, to feel like there was, uh, no one like me, um, within the like industry or like well within the major and then it made me wonder I'm like oh god like am I just gonna go into this industry and just be like around a bunch of straight white dudes all day um <laughs> like I don't know if that was my vibe um yeah it's gotta be hard when you're not re represented within the society yeah and that's like a problem I've never really had to face before because Providence like there is a large Cambodian community here so I've always had other people that look like me who have like a similar background as me and um it just always i've always had that like homey feeling and i you know this is kind of naive of me but growing up that's what i just thought everywhere else was like like i went to a school that was like over three quarters like of minorities so 
I just thought that's how it was everywhere else in the country. And then going to um, the realm of higher education, that was kind of a rude awakening um, to be like, oh, that's really not what it's like. And I was really just in my own little bubble. Um, so yeah, it was a challenge that I really didn't know how to face. Um, but through that, I feel like I became really close um, to Judith in that time because I would just go into her office and just kind of rant um, for a few hours <laughs> and she would listen to me um, because, you know, she had frustrations too. Um, yeah. So at MassArt, like I did struggle, but I feel like because I had um, someone there who kind of understood and was in like a position of power, um, I thought that really positively influenced me and kind of uh, made me feel... Um, just a bit more like I belonged and that my voice was heard and validated as well. Um, so really just like finding your support in that group of, um, I don't know, I guess like of a homogenous industry, like you really just got to find your people and support one another. Very well said. Now, well, along your way of being an artist and a designer, can you say if there's any other artists and designers that have inspired you or do you have some favorite artists and designers out there that have kind of shaped who you are? Um, currently, I am obsessed with uh, this one artist, uh, Daisy Collingridge. Um, mm. You might um, be able to, like, if you see her work, you can see how it's reflected in mine. Um, but she's basically, um, her work it's like she creates these suits pretty much. She's like a sculptor, fashion designer, um, badass lady. And so <laughs> she creates these like entire suits. I thought they were like sculptures, but they're really these wearable suits okay. of these like huge, like bulbous stuffed, like, I don't know, like sags of flesh pretty much. Um, and she like creates these characters and they have like their own names and everything like one is called Clive I think and she like creates personalities for them and I just think she's such a cool lady and I've been very obsessed with her work um uh in that like realm of I guess like wearables I'm also really into like the Nick Cave sound suit series mm -hmm. Um, after I saw his work at Mass Mocha a few years ago, I was like, this is amazing and it changed my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I really love his like sound suits that are made from like these really random objects like wire yeah. and feather sequins and they're super bright, super vivid. And he uses like everyday objects to construct them and then you can wear them. And then I think that also, um, is like in the realm of creating your own like personalities within your art and I think just that entire concept is so cool and so fun especially as like a sculptor and a designer like that's the style that I'm just like really attracted to and I'm trying to incorporate into my own work. Yeah I just look both of them up they're very very uh eye-catching and unique Are you like and I like that they're all wearable are you looking at Nick Caves or? Um... I'm looking at Daisy and Nick Caves. Oh yeah. Trying to look up Daisy's. Daisy Calling Ridge, um, but yeah, her suits are crazy looking. They're very grotesque, a... very freaky. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting combination of sculpture and like fashion or, or wearable mm -hmm. art. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just think oh, that wow. intersection is 
so cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah I'm seeing it now. <laughs> They're kind of terrifying, but I love it. I just, it's so no, that's freaky. Amazing. It's so fleshy. I just want to squeeze it. It's amazing. <laughs> but as soon as you said that, like when you were describing uh, Daisy Colin Ridge, like with some of your art that you've done that we've seen already, I was immediately like, oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Makes I, sense. I see where she's going. There's the connection. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So speaking about their art and your art, um, can you tell us about your handmade chair and pants? That yes, are very similar? I would love to. Um, so the chair was part of my advanced um, sculpture studio, kind of like senior project. Um, so it, for that chair, the underlying structure is actually like this old beaten up rattan frame that was passed down from my grandmother to my mother to me and I really knew I wanted to like use it in my work and somehow bring a new life into it because it had kind of fallen into decay over the years um and since that there was that passage from my grandmother to my mother to me it got me thinking about this passage from mother to daughter and how we travel that passage in the womb oh, wow. so I wanted <laughs> to kind That's of so cool create this like sense of warmth and coziness and safety that the womb embodies um so i use stockings and pantyhose because they naturally have that like closeness to flesh that i wanted to recreate um so i took them and individually stuffed about like a hundred stockings with polyfill and i took these like individual like fleshy worms and dyed them individually with uh, like a writ synthetic dye to achieve the colors I wanted. And then uh, after I began to like weave them into the rattan frame and it became like this very uh, method, uh, like this process of stuffing and heating and dyeing and washing and weaving over and over again. Um, and it just like slowly encased the frame and like swallowed it whole. Um, and yeah, when I was taking pictures of it, um, at the time, like my mom had gotten sick, not with COVID, but like we all thought it was, cause it was like the beginning of the quarantine times and everyone's freaking out, mm. losing their minds. <laughs> um, so my mom was sick and we had to quarantine her. So at the time for like those two weeks, I really, um, had to like gear up and like take on the maternal duties around the house and like help with my uh, brother in school and do like the like cooking and um, just cleaning and like the typical like maternal tasks. Um, so I thought like it would be really fitting if I like photographed my brother into it. And those are like the pictures that um, you'll see online of the, him in the chair. And he's kind of in that fetal yep. position as if he was in the womb. So much thought put into that. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I love the backstory of the yeah. hanging down there. What was it, a rotunda? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, like the material rattan. It was like like rotunda. a like the wooden like frame of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It was like this weird egg-shaped thing. So Like the chairs you see hanging from trees and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, cool. So that was for like my sculpture final. And then... Um, the pants I've recently done are for, uh, those were a present for my sister's birthday. She turned 17 in January. Um, and I 
I really, like with the artists that I'm inspired by, I really wanted to go into that realm of wearables. Um, but I really didn't have any like fashion sewing experience. So in this, um, like since March, I've kind of tried to self-teach myself how to uh, sew. <laughs> um, so I bought a sewing machine and I've just been like playing around and trying to like teach myself as much as I can. And so that was like my big project because they were, A, they were pants yeah. and they were also like pants in itself is just an insane uh, task to try to teach yourself how to do on a sewing machine when you're yeah. quite inexperienced. Um, <laughs> and then, but like, I wanted to like put my own personality into them as well. And I had all this like leftover polyfill from the chair project. And so I was okay. thinking about ways to like incorporate that. And I had a, like a bunch of random like scrap fabric. So it was like, a way for me to like use the materials I had at hand like just random old like t-shirts and pieces of fabric and stuff and use the polyfill as well and just like make these little pouches and then try to construct them all together to make something wearable um so very cool big learning um process there I learned so much about the machine and it really made me uh respect give a lot of respect to our fellow fashion designers because um, that shit is hard <laughs> and yeah. it will make you want to cry <laughs> and yeah. yeah that that was really tough so do you know how many little like raviolis or whatever you call them little pouches raviolis <laughs> <laughs> okay um so i had per like line there were 10 mm. raviolis or my little puff balls and then i think <laughs> On each leg, there were seven, so 70 on each leg. So 140 altogether. Has she, um, has your sister worn them a lot since, or is that something she has to, like, choose kind of when she wears them, not to, like, get them wrecked or anything? Um, it's definitely, like, not something you, like, casually wear to school as a 16, 17-year-old <laughs> uh, teenager, um, mm. but... Um, she's going to like this sleepaway camp uh, this summer to be like a leader in training and they're like they're definitely for like the freaky funky outfits and everyone's wearing like I don't know crazy costumes all the time like that's just yeah. that's just cool. like the summer camp vibe so I'm excited for her to take those with her and everyone's gonna be like oh what the heck yeah Either like, I feel like they'd definitely be good uh, PJs. It might be a little warm. Ooh, yeah, they're very cozy. <laughs> it's like wearing like a squishy blanket or something like that, or like yeah. a pillow almost, like pillow pants. Oh, cool. Yeah, not so much for the summertime then. Not for the summertime. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> now with that, um, obviously you've made both of those great, awesome pieces on a regular day basis or whatever. Like, do you make other art for yourself or have any sideline work that you work on of hobbies, kinda? Um, yeah, I've recently, like, other than sewing, I've recently got into collaging, which was a medium, like, I never really explored before, and I thought it was kind of, like, elementary, mm -hmm. um, you know, because, like, that's what everyone, like, does as a kid, um, but I was just playing around in my sketchbook, and I was having a lot of fun with it, and this was, like, a couple weeks ago at, like, um, that was right after the shooting in Georgia of like 
the Asian spa. And so I was really like, really just upset, especially after this year of like so much violence towards the Asian American community. And like, I don't know, I just felt so helpless and like there was nothing I could do. I'm literally just sitting at home, like drawing silly pictures in my sketchbook. Um, so I did like this little mini fundraiser for uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Women Lead, which is like an um, activist organization yeah. that just like helps uplift like Asian voices. Um, and they do a lot of great community work. And so I sold uh, like about, I don't know, uh, over 20 of the collages that I made for everybody. And then... Um, like it was like a recommended donation and people um donated and i donated like all the pros uh, the proceeds to um aapi women lead so that was like my my past uh, big thing from this month that's uh been keeping me busy um that's so nice of you very resourceful and proactive <laughs> well um yeah it felt good to uh, like it felt good to like, you know, do something for a good cause, but also it, again, like going back to, you know, trying to regain the momentum that we had, like from school, I really needed like a prompt almost to like, and yeah. like a quota to fit, um, in, like in this specific time, um, to like really get me motivated and start like being more creative again. Cause like, I'll go through like, you know, just different curves where I won't, like make anything artistically or creatively for a bit and then um I will and I was like okay I need to sit down and like find something that is gonna like um get me to like go into my practice again and you know something like that'll give back to a cause that I'm really passionate about so I definitely feel the part of like when you're needing to do artwork or design work and that prompt, you, you, as soon as you said prompt, I was like, oh yeah, wait a minute. I think most of the art that I've been doing at home right now is something kind of, some kind of prompt or statement that usually gets me to want to start doing something like that of art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really hard to find like the self-discipline. Yeah. Um, to like, cr like create a concept and then go forward and actually like finish it. I have probably like 10 like unfinished projects that I just started in kind of like a little bit of a manic episode at like 3 a.m. in my room and then I wake up and I'm like oh my god what is this <laughs> I'm gonna push this away and never look at it again um so it was really nice to like see something um from start to end yeah and um that felt really good and now I'm like okay now I needed like a, my next prompt like what am I gonna do like I'm, I'm really big on the prompts it really helped me that's a good uh, good tip because I definitely need the prompts. I do that where I like have an idea, start doing the project, like you know, mm -hmm. putting out sketches so I know I remember what I thought about, and then I drop it. Especially with my arm thing, I have to drop everything. Oh yeah, it's just so I want to be doing stuff. Right, and I can't. <laughs> we got one arm there. Yeah. One arm crawler. So <laughs> yeah, and definitely that feeling of uh, having ten different projects and you know maybe completing one of them or none of them i think a common thing i've been talking <laughs> to with fellow industrial designers especially i've like asked calder i've asked a couple of different people i'm like hey how's your uh, how's your portfolio coming mine's like i still have to catch up on mine and all of them all of us are just like yep don't remind me yep. just don't bring it up <laughs> it makes me feel better <laughs> yeah 
Oh, miss you guys. So, <laughs> miss you too. <laughs> With that said, what what are you doing next? What is your next big prompt, you think? Oh, this is exciting, because this is quite out of the left field. Okay. So, uh, buckle up. Um, so, with a lot of this um, spare time that I've had over the past year or so, um, you know, I kind of got discouraged when I was like, applying to actual design jobs and stuff, because, like, it, there was just, like, no industry in, like, the summer. It was just completely just dead awful. Um, so I was just researching and looking at, like, different non-traditional careers and stuff like that or just like something I could do within the next year that just would seem fun and I got stuck in this little rabbit hole of seasonal work where you basically go and like live somewhere and just like work there for a season and mm -hmm. then you get to like spend time in like this specific spot like with other employees and you like live with the employees in that certain location so on a whim I just like applied to like these random jobs in like Alaska and Montana and like Wyoming wow. and I got a call back from Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming and I had an interview with them and after the interview they were like okay yeah you got the job do you want to come out here um, and work for the summer season um, like in a resort in like the center of Yellowstone for like um the spring summertime and i was like oh my gosh yes um so in like two or three weeks i am like road tripping out west to wyoming making the big move from yes. rhode island um to wyoming it's like 2500 miles um yeah it's gonna be fun and That's incredible. so I'll be working like just in a resort as like a front desk agent. Yep. So like as like a concierge type of person. Um, but I get to live inside the national park, like in the center of it and live with like other employees. And then just like on my days off, I can go and like hike around and do whatever, climb a mountain. I don't know. Go crazy. I'm so jealous. That's <laughs> super exciting. Yeah. That you're able to do that. Um, <laughs> Thank I'm you. definitely excited for you. Uh, how did you wait? How did you even start that process of looking? Did you just type in seasonal jobs and just kind of went about it for a few hours? I, like I, I don't even. It was like a process throughout the summer of just me thinking about like what are all the different like career like opportunities I could take, and you know, just because like the industry was not really giving me the opportunities that I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't even know how I got there. It was just really me, like, on my laptop at, like, 2 a.m., just kind of on a little bender. Um, <laughs> but it's so nice that you guys have such, a, like, a positive reception to this because either people are like, that's so cool, like, I'm so excited for you, or people are like, oh, my God, you're fucking crazy. Well, what like, are you you're doing? nuts. Yeah, yeah, they're like, what the heck? This is, you're weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a brilliant way to travel and work. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to travel so badly. I was going to travel at the end of uh, my senior year for a broad course, and that got shut down. Oh, so, like, yeah. That is a great way to travel and make some money. Exactly. And you get to stay in a national like forest. Like, mm -hmm. so cool. Yeah. Be careful of bears and, and, and wolves. Yeah. They are there. <laughs> no, the, the big thing you have Bobcats. to watch out for is um, the bison. Um, oh, wow. They're like 
in Yellowstone, there's like the largest natural like wild herd of bison in the entire like continent. Um, just cause like Yellowstone is huge. It's larger than like Rhode Island and Delaware combined or something like that. Um, so they all live there and like they're kind of like accustomed to tourists and stuff. So they will get really close to you. But this is like a, <laughs> this is like a massive animal. It's like two tons yeah. and it can like gore you with its massive horns or like i don't know you get caught in like a stampede or something yeah yeah they could probably flip a car <laughs> yeah probably massive. easily yeah um so yeah that's what i really gotta watch out for um but i'm really excited to be um stuck in what they call a bison jam because they don't have traffic jams out there bison jam. um because there's like no people but you do get stuck in bison jams because the, they'll just come and maybe stand in the road for two hours and be like oh i'm just gonna sit here and what are you gonna do in your car are you gonna like try to fight it with a bison no you're just gonna chill out and let it do its thing that's its home that sounds like a jam <laughs> worth having like better, compared to like i'd rather have bison be in my way than cars because you get to look at right. bison but then at the same time i could also imagine it being a little bit scarier because you're like is this bison gonna just turn on me while i'm just sitting here waiting for him to cross right is it just gonna come and like jump on my car like is it gonna flip me i don't know like, move on, bud. But yeah well that's awesome thank now, you with that what advice do you have for someone entering the, the design industry in, uh, yeah yeah let me say that again restart what advice do you have <laughs> for someone entering the design industry um <laughs> Well, saying that I haven't really entered the industry yet, I don't know if I can like okay. provide Pursuing. adequate advice. Um, but okay, one of the biggest things I've learned, not just like related to design, but just like overall, yeah. Um, like kind of my biggest lesson that I learned during mass art was, uh, you really have to be an advocate for yourself. Um, and really fight for what you want to pursue. Um, this became like really prominent to me over like the past year when I was, um, I was applying for like this fellowship, it's called the Fulbright Scholarship. And like, I was like reaching out to like people at MassArt to like talk about it in our international office. And like I went online and I was looking at like Slack pages of other students who were also applying for it. And like these are students from like huge major institutions like Harvard, like Northeastern, BU. And they have like specific offices at their school just for this specific fellowship. So you can go there and you like can you have your own advisor, you're going to have a committee, you're going to have like this series of alumni who have also received the fellowship who are going to be able to look over your application, edit your essays and like provide really great like feedback. And, you know, at MassArt, like we just kind of have one person in our international office doing like everything and they're kind of like, oh, here's the information. Good luck. Like, yeah. Have fun. Um, which is like nice that we even have that, but like when you compare our resources to those at other schools, it's, it's really like night and day. Um, so there I was like, I need to like, the, this is, these are my competition. Like I need to like fight tooth and nail to like get what I want here. Um, 
So I like reached out to everyone I knew and I was like, please read my essays, read my short answers, like read, like go over my application. Like, I just need to get as many eyes on this as possible. Like I reached out to an editor to like look over it. I went to like our acad academic resource center. Like I tried to pursue like as many different ways that I could um, like create the best candidate profile as possible. And there was no one really there to help guide me through that. Like I kind of had to like fight for myself to get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and like other places, they're just going to have the resources just right there, like available for you. And yeah, like I just didn't have that. Um, and so I got like my decision for it and I got past the first round and I'm like an alternate in the final decision. So that is kind of like the equivalent to being like waitlisted for it. So it's not a yes, but it's not a no either. And like, I'm honestly really proud of myself for even getting like that far with like, just comparing the resources that were given yeah. to me compared to like these other candidates, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. So definitely like fighting to get what you want and like finessing it as hard as you can because like no one else is going to put in the work like you got to do it um and i had this friend um from this my summer internship at harvard um who really instilled that like finessing ideology into me because um like that's just how she went about life and like in the summer she really needed housing but like couldn't afford it so she like approached um, her school and was like, oh, I'm a fine arts major, I do paintings. I know you're creating like, uh, or you're um, like, there's this new building coming up on campus. I will, um, like you can commission me for the art and instead of like paying me, like you can provide me housing. And just like sent this kind of pretty ballsy email out and they were like, actually, that's a great idea. And then she got free housing for the summer. Hmm. So, wow. Like, Probably. you really just have to, like, it comes down to, like, kind of, like, having the bravery to, like, put yourself out there and the creativity as well to, like, think about, like, how can I go about this and how can I, you know, make this work for myself and really advocate for yourself. So with whatever you're pursu pursuing or, like, whatever goal you want to accomplish, push as hard as you can and then push even further. Love it. <laughs> thank Great you. advice. Thank you. I think it is too. So, where can we find some of your work and see you, your amazing face? <laughs> okay, this kind is of Instagram. And... Yeah, this is where I feel so bad because um, at like the end of the year, when I was like using, like I had my portfolio set up and I was using it to like apply to jobs, and then I realized that like that prospect of me getting a job uh, was quite slim. <laughs> Um, I, like, I, it really just came down to, like, my financial position, because I was, like, to keep my website up and alive, like, you know, it was, like, $17 a month, which isn't terrible. Yes. Um, like, it could be a lot worse, but it was, like, with all the subscriptions I had with, like, Spotify and, like, mm -hmm. Hulu and all the other stuff, it was just, like, ugh, I feel like I'm not even really using this right now like I have a job right now and I have another job lined up and I'm like I only really use my portfolio as a way to like 
apply for jobs. Yeah. So I just like stopped um, making my payments. So um, <laughs> it's still like there. Like I can still reactivate it, but I just don't really want to pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so until then, just on Instagram is like my primary site that I like share my work and just, you know, whatever pictures. Um, I post a lot like on my story if I'm like working on something and like want to share like process images and that kind of stuff. So it's pretty informal, but that's like generally where to find me on the interwebs. Fair enough. Cool. So what's your uh, Instagram handle? For oh, so oh yes. Yeah. See your chair and fancy um, pants, et cetera. <laughs> my Instagram <laughs> is hotdogwater2.0. <laughs> I love it. Um, just... Yeah, that's where you can catch me, I guess. That's a great name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's from, I saw like a tweet that was like, um, if you think about it, Frank Ocean is just hot dog water. And I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> Fair enough. I was wondering where the name came from when I first saw it. I was like, wait, where did she come up with this? So that's the origin of it. I just, it just made me chuckle. But then hot dog water was already taken. So I uh, added the 2.0, you know, just for mm -hmm. a little pizzazz, a little salt on top, something to make it fun. Yep. Nice. Do you still have your uh, Adobe portfolio? Um, that, Where you suggested. Yeah, that was the site I was using was Adobe portfolio. Um, because that's just accessible if you have creative cloud. So it's like, mm -hmm. I didn't want to pay for creative cloud and like pay for Squarespace or something like that on top of it. Yeah. So it, I wouldn't suggest it if you want to like have this really personalized site and, um, like, cause it really is just like basic template layouts, you know? So like yeah. it gets the job done definitely. Like, and it's, I think it's the most like financially, um, like the best financial option. Um, but is it like the best website builder? Not, not by any means, no. Yeah. All right, thank you so much for being on here. We had a lovely time talking with you. Thank you guys, I had a great time. Miss you guys, feels like we're Miss back you. in the studio again. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's nice to catch up. <laughs> Next episode, we're speaking with artist Logan Wilder, a recent graduate at a mass art studio for interrelated media. You can reach us on our Instagram at bad underscore media underscore and our email at badboston.media. You are listening to the Boston Artists and Designers Podcast, created to provide insight to all kinds of creative minds by sharing the work and experiences of our peers and discussing what inspires and drives them. The goal is to create a platform for collaboration, networking, discussion, and education. Bad Podcast is created and hosted by Calder McKay and John Chevrette. Music by Tom Abbott. John and I are just getting started and hope to get better over time and with your feedback. Thanks again for listening.